0: Today's scripture reading is found in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. I'll be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone that causes people to stumble in a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare in praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God." Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Good morning, Trinity Church. Morning. So good to see you here this morning. I'm Pastor Jeff Gangle. Just to add my welcome, if you are here, Trinity is a long-time member, attender, or if you're here for the first time or one of your first times here, welcome. We are so glad you chose to be here and worship with us today. And if you're watching online, as I know many people still are doing that and uh, staying home, that's great. We are so glad you've tuned in this morning to our live stream. Thanks for being with us virtually, and thanks for uh, kind of setting everything else aside at home and just giving focus and attention to God's Word in these next few minutes. Uh, we want to do that together. Um, I did not bring in, if you watched the video yesterday, I didn't, Beth never came back to help me get that big rock in the car, so the big rock's not here, but we are going to talk about stones, and we're going to, we've been singing about it, I hope you saw this, if you've been reading along in First Peter, you saw how the heard, how the music and the words fit right into our passage today in First Peter, as he brings this amazing metaphor of the stone, the living stones, and tells us what that means for us as his people, as the church. So we want to dive into that, learn from that, and I just want to say before we pray and, and get in right into the, the, the passage this morning, um, I think this message is really fitting for where we are in our society and our, our world right now. I think this is a passage we need to dive into, this is a message uh, we need to hear, because There's a lot of things that are unsettled that are kind of have been shaken in our world right now. A lot of things that we planned on, banked on, uh, relied on that are not stable anymore. And so we need to be reminded of the one and only stability in our lives and in our world. It's Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Can I hear an amen to that? (laughs) And that's who Peter talks about this morning. So let's pray, let's dive into our passage, and let's learn what he wants us to hear today. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for our worship. Thank you for this opportunity to express our praise to you. Uh, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people, so we know by your promise that you are with us here. We know that by your Spirit, you're going to teach us and, and encourage us and comfort us and and motivate us, all that we need, you give to us. And so we ask that we would be open to that. We would allow you to speak to us, allow you to to move in our hearts this morning. And my prayer, Lord, is that you'll help me to accurately, rightly communicate what you once said from your word this morning. Uh, But, Lord, I cannot do anything. My words cannot penetrate the heart. Only your word can do that. So we ask that your living word and your living spirit would do the work in us that we need this morning. And we will give all the praise and all the glory for what you do today to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So even though I couldn't get the big rock in the car to bring to you, I did bring a brick. This came from our neighborhood. There's a, construction going on. There's a couple houses being built and down our street. And Beth and I were walking, and I, and I promise you, I didn't chisel this out of a, a wall that was already there. I didn't take anybody's brick out of their house. This was cast aside, it was on the ground, and, and I picked it up. This, is, this would be a good picture this morning because a brick, when you just look at a brick by itself, it doesn't have a whole lot of purpose just on its own. I mean, you, maybe you could think of saying it could be a paperweight, I suppose. It'd be an awfully big and. Um, difficult paperweight, but you could set it on something, I suppose, maybe use it for a bookend. As I came in this morning, Jason saw me carrying the brick. He said, you got to throw that through a window today? So so I suppose you could use a brick to, to break a window, but for the most part, there's not really practical good reasons for a brick on its own. Our expectation is that when you see a brick, you see it with other bricks. Mortared, cemented in, one brick on another, forming a wall or or the side of a house or, or a chimney. It has its purpose when it's put together with other bricks. The people that were receiving this letter that Peter wrote to maybe felt like lone bricks We've talked about this a little bit at the beginning part of the letter. They were, as Peter describes them in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, they're scattered exiles. I'm writing to you scattered exiles. So certainly they felt alone. They felt far away, maybe separated from the other believers, the early church, and just trying to kind of figure out the Christian life on their own. And, and maybe, maybe you felt like that too. Maybe there have been times when you felt separated, alone, you felt a little bit isolated, and maybe now, especially during this pandemic, you felt it more than ever. Felt like you're having to kind of do life on your own, you're separated from particular relationships, not able to connect with people at church and other places the way you would like to. We can end up feeling like lone bricks when we know we're meant to be connected to others. And that's what Peter talks about in this passage this morning. And this fascinating metaphor that he uses is so helpful, so instructive, for the spiritual lesson that Peter brings to us is is so, so good. And it's it's so fitting that it comes from Peter. Remember, we talked about his name, the name Jesus gave him. His his original family name was Simon. Jesus said, you're going to be Peter, which means what? Rock. So who better to use this metaphor of rocks and stones than Peter himself? But it's not just Peter. He draws this metaphor, not from his own mind or his own experience, but from the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. We're going to see that this morning, how he pulls that in and and creates this beautiful picture of Christ and the church as living stones in this spiritual building project of god so if you're not there already please turn to first peter chapter 2 take your bible look on with a neighbor pull out your phone or electronic device whatever you have first peter chapter 2 we're into the second chapter this week in our series, we've called "Living Hope" because that's what Peter talks about. It's verse three of the book. It's, he talks about our salvation as this living hope because Peter is looking at the long range of our salvation, past, present, and future. And he's reminded us in these first chapter and this first chapter and a half of this call that we have because of our salvation. We're called to live in holiness. We're called to love others. We're called to grow in our faith. And all this is what we've been studying over the past couple of weeks. And he ended that passage last week, chapter 2 and verse 3, with talking about how we have tasted of the goodness and the grace of God. We sang about that as our first. We ended last week with that song. We started this Sunday with that song. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've experienced God's grace, then this is who you are as the church. That's where Peter goes next. He said, and he wants us to embrace God's plan for us as the church, the living stones, built on his son, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. That's what this passage is all about. Jesus is the high priest. We are priests along with him. He is the living stone. We are living stones built on him. And Peter arranges this in a fascinating way. I want you to kind of see the outline as we go into this today because it's it's very well organized. Peter starts with verses 4 and 5, and they give this overview of the living stones. He introduces that idea of Jesus and of the church. But then he comes back after verses 4 and 5, and he he gives more explanation of each one. And so in verses 6 through 8, He picks up on verse 4, and he explains it further. Then he comes back around to verses 9 and 10, and he goes back to what he said in verse 5 and explains who we are as those living stones built on Christ. So here we go. First principle, Christ, the living stone. We start with him, chosen, precious, and and rejected. Interesting three words that Peter uses to describe Jesus Christ as the living stone. Chosen, precious, and rejected. And he, he draws all these into verse 4. Look at verse 4. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him. Now we jump to verse 6 when Peter unpacks this. So he quotes from Isaiah twenty eight sixteen. In verse 6, he says, Scripture says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So Peter essentially is proving what he said in chapter 1, that the prophets foretold the coming of the Messiah, and that he would come and that he would suffer and as he's saying in this passage, be rejected. All of this, Peter says, this goes back. This should be no surprise. The prophets said this is what would happen to God's Messiah. So what did, how did Isaiah use this image of a cornerstone? Why would he pick, on, pick that out? Well, a cornerstone would have been the first and most important choice that a builder made. Uh, I read one of these ancient buildings had a cornerstone. Catch this. Let me get my stats right here. 69 feet by 12 feet by 13 feet. Can you imagine a rock that size? The cornerstone of a building. And once you set that stone in place, you don't, you don't just move it around. You put everything else, build everything else on top of it and around it. And that's the idea. Christ, the cornerstone, is the one who is the solid foundation. We then are built around and on him. And Peter says, that's the cornerstone. That's Christ. And Jesus was chosen by God and precious to him. Again, key phrases there, that God selected his own precious son to come to earth to die for our sin, pay the price for us. And then he says, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In other words, when we build our lives on Christ, the cornerstone, we will not fall. We, our lives will not collapse into some worthless heap. We won't be sorry if we put our trust in Him. Now, please understand, it doesn't mean we'll never have struggles, we'll never have trials, it doesn't mean we'll never have difficulties in our life. We will. We do. In fact, the listeners, the readers of this book, they were having struggles. It's part of what why Peter writes to them. It's not that our lives will be perfect in that sense, but that we will never be ashamed of our decision to trust in Jesus. That's his promise. In fact, Peter says in verse 7, moves on with this, to you who believe, this stone is precious. The very same word Peter used to describe how God feels about his son is how he is to us as well. And, And The word precious means honored or highly esteemed. And so here is here is what Peter is saying. The Father honored the Son as precious by choosing him. And then we honor him by trusting in him. The Father honored his son by choosing him. We honor the son by trusting in him. A few years ago, the cliff edge along Lake Whitney in Texas began to crumble. And if it was just the edge of a cliff, it wouldn't maybe have been such a big deal, but it happened to crumble right where there was a house sitting on the edge of it. Here's a picture of that house. And as the cliff began to fall away, the house began to fall with it. Thankfully, it happened slowly enough so the people could escape, could get out of this house. But imagine being the owners of this house. They had just purchased this house with cash two years before this happened. And there it goes. It's just falling off the edge of the cliff. The authorities came in. They decided that the only way that they could safely demolish the house was to set it on fire. Try to burn as much of it up before it fell which it eventually did as it was burning. Now, just imagine being those people who own that house. Feel, what the feeling you would have had first, the loss and the sadness that your house is falling off a cliff, but then the, almost the shame, almost the embarrassment of why did we buy this house right on the edge of a cliff? And Peter is saying to us, don't build your life on a cliff. Don't build your house on your own terms where it's going to crumble away, it's going to fall, and you will be ashamed, you will be embarrassed at the mess that you make of your life. He's saying, build your life on a solid foundation. Build on the cornerstone. That's what Jesus Christ did for you. That's who he is for you. Build your life on him. And Peter shows us the terrible alternative For those who choose to reject this living stone, who refuse to build their lives on him, he says in verse 7, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So now Peter's quoting two more Old Testament prophecies here, Psalm 118.22, Isaiah 8.14, and they present this rather ironic twist That if you reject the cornerstone that cornerstone becomes a stumbling stone to you the rock that could be your foundation ends up being the very thing that you stumble over and the amazing thing is peter was speaking from experience he saw this happen remember jesus was out among the crowds with his disciples for three years, and Peter saw the religious leaders and others rejecting what Jesus said, rejecting him as the Messiah, not putting their faith in him as God's cornerstone. They stumbled over him because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. And John saw this as well. He says in John 1.11, He came to that which was his own, Jesus did, but his own did not receive him. God the Father presented Jesus as the Savior, as the cornerstone. And those who refused to believe in Him stumbled and fell. When Beth and I were walking through the neighborhood and I got this brick, the, the house that they're working on, actually, they're in the midst of putting these bricks up. There's, so at the front porch there, you can see some of the brickwork that's already gone on. You see the scaffolding And when bricklayers, and I've never done this, so I don't totally understand it, but as they're going through choosing bricks, or especially if this is stacked stone, it's even more so the case, which is an art, they take a, a brick or a stone, and if it's not the right fit, if there's something wrong with this brick or it's got a crack or whatever, they pitch it and they pull out another brick to put in. So they're constantly choosing bricks and rejecting bricks. And the ones that get rejected, see the pile out there, just kind of get thrown off the scaffolding out front. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, what a great picture what Peter is saying because as, they, as the brick pile gathers out there, that becomes a trip hazard. For anybody walking around that construction site, there's a pile of bricks there or even a single brick out there, you could trip over that thing. And that's exactly what Peter is saying. It, those who reject the cornerstone trip over Him, and their lives fall apart. That rejection becomes their very downfall. And so God intends for us to build our lives on Christ, but some people stumble over that idea that Jesus could have died for their sin. In fact, in the end, verse 8, Peter calls this disbelief, disobedience. Look what he says, they stumble. Because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So a refusal to repent is really a spiritual stumble. The destiny of those who remain in that kind of disobedience is eternal separation from God. That's their destiny, Peter is saying. This stark contrast, those who refuse to build their lives on Christ, the living stone will stumble and will fall, and their destiny is death. But he also says, for those who choose to build their lives on this living stone, then they become a living stone too. And that's where he goes next. This is our second half of of our point today. Christ is the living stone, but we as the church are also living stones. And he says about us, we are chosen, we are priestly, we are holy, we are special. If you go back to to verse 5, look how Peter introduces our identity as the church. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I think Peter was, again, remembering that day. We've mentioned this a couple times already in this, in this study of 1 Peter. Remember that, that special moment when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? And it was Peter who spoke right up and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter got it right on. In that moment, and Jesus responded to him. So look at this. Look these words from Jesus back in Matthew 16. He says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not re- revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. There's the name he gave him, a rock. And on this rock, now here I almost pictured Jesus pointing to himself. On this rock, I will build my church." See, some over the years have mistakenly thought that Jesus was referring to Peter since he gave him that name, that he would build his church on Peter. But Peter knew that wasn't the case. Peter clearly identifies that Jesus was talking about himself. He is the cornerstone. And so, as Peter writes these words now in First Peter, some 30-plus years after that conversation with Jesus, he says, we're living stones that God is using to build this spiritual house, the church, and he's building it on the living stone, the rock, the cornerstone, Jesus himself. Maybe you've done this before with Back to Bricks again. You've made a donation to an organization or something, and it's where they put your name then on the brick because you're a donor. So you've seen examples of this around. Maybe it's a, it's a sidewalk or a, uh, maybe a, a patio or a wall. And, and so this, these, these are the names of the people who've given to this cause. And it's, that's wonderful, I mean, to have your name on a brick. But think how above and beyond this is, what Peter is talking about. He's saying, you are a living stone. God has chosen to use you in his divine building project, and he's placed you there just where he wants you to be. That's extraordinary. That's what Peter is describing for us here. And we have a responsibility that comes with this in this spiritual house called the church, to be priests who offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, what does it mean to be priests? For for Peter, this was a radical um, difference from what he had grown up with in Judaism. Because priests were only certain members of a certain tribe who would function as priests and when they gave offered sacrifices they were were animal sacrifices but peter is saying here if you believe in jesus all of us are living stones and priests in this kingdom and we offer not animal sacrifices but we offer ourselves as living sacrifices the way Paul describes it in Romans 12, 1, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So with that presentation, that introduction, Peter then goes on. Let's jump to verses 9 and 10. Now here's the detail. What does it mean to be these living stones, these priests offering sacrifices? What does that look like? Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Four key phrases here that tell who we are as the church, who we are as God's spiritual house. So let's take each one of these and kind of look at it individually. First, he says we are chosen people. As chosen people, that's, that's a privileged position, but it's a privilege not that we... Earn it's a privilege that comes by grace. Just as God chose that nation of Israel to be his people, he chooses each one of us to be part of his people group, his spiritual people group. And when you're chosen, there's a responsibility that comes with that choosing. To become part of that team, as it were, you have a responsibility to work for the good of the team and to work with others who have also been chosen for that team. That's true in any athletic context, right? So if an athlete is drafted, chosen to be on a team, he gets the uniform, his name is on there with the team name, and, and that athlete then is playing for the success, for the good of that team, and playing alongside of others on that team, cooperating with them, for the same purposes. And in a sense, that's what we've been called to as well. We've been chosen as God's people, the church, to work together for God's benefit, for God's purposes. And what does that look like? So the next phrase helps us with that too, the royal priesthood. Jesus is our king-priest. He brings those two things together, royalty and priesthood. He serves us as a king and as a priest, and we serve him too as priests, and we do it as royalty reigning with him. Paul talks about this in Romans fifteen sixteen. He says about he talks about his priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. So as priests, we have direct access to God. That's part of what it means to be priest. We don't go through any one or anything else. We can speak to God directly, but then He wants to work through us directly too in bringing others to Him. In fact, the Latin word for priest is pontifex. Perhaps you've heard that or a form of that word, pontifex, which means bridge builder. God wants us to be bridge builders, bringing others to Him. You know, when we lived in northeast Georgia, our kids were little, We'd go out, hiking on a trail, and we'd come to a stream or a creek or something. And, and I remember oftentimes I'd be gathering up stones from the side or even out of the creek and creating a bridge of rocks for my kids to cross over. Their short little legs, you know, they needed rocks a little closer together. And on occasion when we had a little more time, then I'd build a bridge, something like this in the picture. <laughs> bridge builders. Whether it's stones or however, whatever God asks us to do, to bring others to Him, to make a way, to show people the way to Him, that's what it means for us to be priests. We're a royal priesthood. Third, we're a holy nation. And holy, of course, means to be set apart. Here we are again, God's purposes. The nation of Israel was set apart, a holy nation for God's purposes They didn't fulfill everything that God wanted them and asked them to be in their disobedience. They failed in that. And God has grafted in believers to come in to be a part of that spiritual nation, if you will, wholly set apart for His purposes. You know, at Trinity we have what we, we call designated funds, which means if you give to a specific cause and you say, I want this gift to go to specifically to help this particular effort or to this particular um, ministry effort, or even just in general giving, we designate 15% of everything given here at Trinity to go to missions and outreach. That's a designation. So our treasurer, Dave Dunbar, can't get some money and say, you know what, I think we, we, need, to, we need a new roof on the church. We're gonna, instead, we're going to move this money and to pay for the new roof. No, no, it's designated. It's given and it's there for that particular purpose and to be used for nothing else. That's what it means to be holy. It means you're designated. You've been set aside for God's purposes and not for any other. And this is one of the challenges I think we face in the Christian life is to realize this is my life is not just about me and what I want and my purposes. This, I live for God. If I am a holy nation, part of this holy nation, I'm set apart for God's purposes in my life. And my job is to find out what God wants me to do and to do it in obedience. There's one other phrase here that he uses which is extraordinary, really. God's special possession. Now, if you, as as a kid, learned as I did in this verse, in the King James Version, it says, you are a peculiar people. I always thought that was funny as a kid. You know, Peter's calling Christians peculiar, which in some cases fits pretty well. Sometimes we are a little strange, a little odd. But the word peculiar, that English word doesn't really fit here because it means ownership. It has to do with possession. We belong to God. We are His special possession. He claims us as His own, His personal treasure, as it were. When our kids were little, the, the uh, Toy Story movies came out. Very creative, you know, just as, as fun for adults to watch, parents to watch as the kids. And in the Toy Story movies, the, the toys that kind of come alive are owned by a little boy named Andy. And they know they're owned by Andy because he writes his name on each of them. And they have tremendous loyalty to Andy. And so here's Woody, one of the primary characters of Toy Story. And there's Andy's name written on the bottom of his cowboy boot. And that comes into play often throughout the series of movies. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has written his name on you. You're his possession. He claims you as his own. And, and that creates, provides for us a, a comfort, a meaning, purposefulness that we could never have otherwise. We are God's special personal possession. So we are living stones, Peter says, chosen by God to be his bridge builders, set apart for his purposes, with his own name written on us. And that extraordinary identity is what enables us to fulfill our purpose, which is what Peter describes next. Back to verse 9 that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you ever wonder why Jesus hasn't returned yet? I mean, especially in times like we're in right now, it's like, Lord, come quickly. Why hasn't Jesus come? I mean, if if all this is true, if we are his chosen people, if we're royal priests, we're a holy nation, we're his special possession, why doesn't Jesus come back and do away with this sin-cursed world and start over again with his new kingdom right now? He doesn't, and he hasn't, because there are still more he wants to bring into his kingdom. Because there are more that he wants to put his name on. Because he wants us to declare his praises so that others will come to know him too. And what do we tell? What what do we tell others about what he has done for us? Well, that's what he describes. Peter gives it to us right here. That he's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. He took us when we had no identity, no people, and he made us his people. He reached out to us when we desperately needed mercy, and he showed us mercy. So if you ever wonder, well, I, I, if I'm talking to somebody about God, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know what to say. I don't know all the right verses. Peter says, just declare his praises. Tell them what he's done for you. That's what we have to share from darkness to light, from abandonment to family, from sinfulness to forgiveness. That's what He's done for us. That's what Peter says, and that's what we say. That's what we declare. We have the light. We have a people group. We've been shown mercy, and that's the gospel. That is the good news. You know, the Bible often talks about us and our sinfulness and describes it as enslavement. Now, and most of us in this day and age don't know what it would be like to be a slave. Some, In some ways we can't fathom it. But if you've done any reading of history in that, those terrible dark years of the slave trade, if you've read anything about what happened in terms of people being taken from their families from their people groups from their homes loaded into slave ships thrown out down into a hull way too crowded in the darkness full of disease lack of food fear of the unknown what's happening imagine being in the hull of one of those ships and then imagine another ship comes along as a rescue ship. They come along and they defeat the slave traders. They board your ship. They bring you out of the darkness of that hall into the glorious light of day. They turn that ship around, take you back home, back to your family, back to your people. They show you that kind of mercy even though it's at risk, to their own risk to to. Spare you, to save you. If that happened to you, wouldn't you be shouting that to anybody and everybody who would listen? Telling about those who rescued you, declaring the praises of those who took you out of darkness into light, who took you out of nothingness to restore you to your people, who, when you were not shown mercy, showed you mercy. That's what Peter is saying. He's saying, declare the praises of the one who did that for you in an eternal sense. God wants us to be his living stones. He's placed us in connection with other living stones, the church, believers. He wants us to be built together, work together, be connected to one another into this spiritual house that we call the church. But everything depends on what we do first with the living stone himself, with Jesus himself. If we don't build our lives on that cornerstone, then we will fall apart as individuals, in our lives, in our families, in our churches. Don't stumble over him. Put your trust in him. Build your life on him. He's the only solid foundation that you have. So this morning, I think the call for us, the response for us is, first of all, make sure that you are building your life on the Lord Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. If you're not, if you're on shaky ground at all in what's happening in your life, it's not too late to renovate, to rebuild, to put that foundation right. Get away from the edge of the cliff. Build on the cornerstone. Maybe that's the call to you this morning. Or if you know your life is solid on Jesus Christ, then declare the praises of the one who saved you. Let others know what he's done for you. We're going to sing a song in just a moment that transitions us to this table to celebrate this together. It simply says, build your life On the rock, on Christ, the cornerstone. It's a reminder to put our faith, our hope, our trust, everything that we have on Him because He did this. And so when we come to the table, this is our chance to publicly praise Him, thank Him for what He's done for us, to declare His praises. The one who called us out of darkness into light, the one who showed us mercy. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to be our living stone, our cornerstone. Thank you for giving your life to pay the price for our sin on the cross. And thank you that you offer us that solid foundation, the only solid foundation on which to build our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that we would look very carefully at what we're doing, how we're living, what we're staking our lives on right now, and make sure that it's, it's on you, that we have put our faith and trust completely, totally in you. Because anything else is going to shift, it's going to fall, it's going to crack, it's going to break. We're going to stumble and fall. And Lord, help us to be bold in our declaration of our praise for the one who gave everything for us. Remind us of that as we sing. Remind us of that as we come to this table this morning and celebrate what you've done for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.